AM. Oh, <laughs> let me. Sorry, I forgot though. I, I meant to open this before we start for the cold open. I found a thing. Uh, found a thing. I found a thing. So, uh, are you familiar with Evernote? Yeah, I use it. Yeah, so Evernote's great. Uh, so, I used to use it uh, a long time ago, but I haven't used it in a while. And um, I got some email reminder about my account and I opened it and I literally just had one entry in it. It, it was a really weird entry, but it turns out it was. Remember when we re- we got very very drunk and we recorded our drunken episode, our bonus episode. For well, I mean, I remember that it happened, yeah. but I don't remember it. Yeah, this is this is yeah, this is an important point because I don't remember or I don't remember writing this series of notes. Um, but it was the timestamp was when we were in our taxi on the way home, and I was sitting <laughs> in the back with my pizza that I was eating. But apparently, while I was back there nomming on my pizza, and you were having bands with the taxi driver, I was writing down potential taglines for our show. <laughs> and did you just download Evernote specifically for that in the taxi? I don't know whether I don't know. Like I don't know. This is on my old phone, so that's why I wasn't. I just, I didn't see it until I logged into my account. But I wrote down four taglines for some reason that I felt we needed, and I thought I could read them for you now. Okay. Okay. So WAP taglines. It's like Audible, but for Wikipedia entry articles on politics. <laughs> Oh, that's so contrived. It's complicated. Second one is come for the information. Try not to leave because of the jokes. These are <laughs> these are all really mean. <laughs> and, you hate us. I know. It's, <laughs> the last one is worse. But okay, third one is your fortnightly fill of white male middle class cisgender opinions. Uh, for fuck's sakes, Richie. And the last one is the last one isn't even a tagline. It's so mean. it just says just just be glad you can't see our faces. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. What did I do to you that night? That I, you hated so much? <laughs> I was sitting, just clearly sitting in the back of this taxi, just just seething away. <laughs> then we went and had a great time, and then you got poisoned by your pizza. I but I realized now you were poisoned by the pizza. You were poisoned by your own safe self hatred. Like, so this, like this, is, this is a self hating podcast. Yeah, just be glad you can't see your faces. That's really mean. <laughs> That's really mean. And we have a like we got a lot of haters out there already. We don't need. A co-host to be added we to the list. We need fifty percent of this podcast hosts <laughs> hating on us, trolling us from the inside. Now I know where all those shitty Irish iTunes reviews are coming from. <laughs> They're coming from me. I'm drunk in the back of taxis, just giving us negative <laughs> reviews. <laughs> okay, well, you got to turn them into um, into into graphic images so we can tweet them out with this episode. Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> Fuck me. Right. Okay. What are we doing? I'm putting. Uh, I'm closing well, this. I'm closing this fucking panel with these shitty taglines because they're making me sad. I still have my Evernote open, but luckily it's all just uh, Steve. You're a great guy. Oh, Richie's really important, and I'm so glad that he's contributing to this with me. You guys both have very attractive faces. <laughs> of all the things that people <laughs> should be glad about, it's your faces. <laughs> well, I have what is what am as the next topic, but I mean you've kind of covered it, I guess. So we can <laughs> with skip those on really good taglines. <laughs> Uh, okay, so there's no news because this is an uh, episode recorded in the past. Yeah, I mean all of them are. None of these podcasts are live, but or yes, fu- or from the future, <laughs> specifically from the future. Yeah, no, you and I are busy for the for the, for the next little while, so we're 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 putting one in the can. Mm-hmm. Do you keep it in an actual can? I do. <laughs> I do. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. Keeps it fresh. 
No news. So nothing has happened. And if anybody else tells you otherwise, don't listen to them. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck does the BBC know anyway? Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here, BBC. So what, what are we What are we going to talk about then? If there's no We're news. going to talk about something that's very topical at this time. And hopefully... <laughs> God damn this... <laughs> And hopefully still will be uh, by the time this episode's released. Hopefully, like, well, then, uh, you know, the way the news cycle works, people will probably have forgotten all about it. Oh, yeah. The, the, like Julian who? So we're recording this on April 14th. April 14th. Julian Assange has just been arrested the Thursday before this. Yes. So I guess the 11th or the 10th. So we so we had the brainwave. Oh, it'd be super timely to do an episode on WikiLeaks. But then decided to release it two weeks after the fact. Yeah, I know. And that's entirely my fault. I chose this topic and then like I chose it before I was driving to Donegal and then when I got to Donegal, I was like, oh no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, maybe maybe we'll get lucky and everyone will just like sit on their, their hands about this subject and nothing will get happened and it'll just be as timely in two weeks as it is now. There is a chance that is going to happen and everyone is obviously just waiting for our hot take on it. Yeah, well, that's it. That's exactly it. So maybe we can be the catalyst to kick it all off. They're waiting for this. So Steve, what am WikiLeaks? Before... I tell you, yeah. I want you to tell me because WikiLeaks is something that's been floating around for quite a while. I think it started in about 2006 and became viral as it were a couple of years later. Yeah. So you must have an idea what it is. I've got an idea. I so, want to hear it. So it's kind of like, remember when you'd be in secondary school and there'd be a bike shed or something and people would just graffiti shit on it and it says like, Mark is a wanker <laughs> and you know, and, that, and then you know, okay, now everyone knows Mark's a wanker. And WikiLeaks is kind of like that for the world. Um, so Obama hearts drones it'd be like yeah. written up there if destroyed true yeah and then now, now the world knows that but then kind of like Mark is a wanker we already knew that Obama liked drones because he was the president of the country that was using a lot of drones oh so, so it's, it's more specific so it's like Mark is a wanker who Mark, Mark masturbated in his bedroom right at 12pm while watching Wrestlemania <laughs> and, and, he, and here's some video footage and then <laughs> And there's Equally. an iPhone t- duct taped to the wall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And Mark's dropping back his bike and he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> well, yeah, to be honest, a lot of people will consider the invasion of privacy along the same scale. <laughs> So then equally, Obama hearts drones and here is evidence that he ordered a drone strike against a orphanage for kids with Down syndrome in Afghanistan or something like that. And then Obama's dropping back his bike and he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck, guys? (laughs) Uh, Just for the record, as far as I know, President Barack Obama did not order a drone strike against the children for Down syndrome kids in Afghanistan. Uh, Yeah, so basically the best way to summarize WikiLeaks is that it was set up as a journalistic source or even a tool for journalists. Like to a, like a, a forum for them or? No, like a, a tool to allow journalists to gather sources, basically. Right. Okay. So did you watch that movie last year, The Post, with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep? Yes, I did. It was about the Pentagon Papers, yeah. um, which was a study of U.S. policy in Vietnam that pretty much showed that every U.S. administration since Truman knew that Vietnam was a lost cause, but kept on lying to the public as they continued to escalate the war. Mm-hmm. So uh, this organization called RAND, which is kind of like a, it's a private organization, but basically works very closely with the U.S. military, still does. And I believe got a lot of mentions of Metal Gear Solid, so you know it's important. <laughs> there was a dude called Daniel Ellsberg that worked for that, and he was really disheartened by all the lying that he saw going on, mm-hmm. the, like the difference between what what was being written down in these official military reports and what the secretary of the military was going out and saying. So he decided to leak them. He made photocopies of them all. He distributed it to a couple of journalists that he knew. 
And it became a big public thing that all of a sudden there was evidence that the US government had been lying to its people. And here it was in black and white. So do you remember part of that is that Tom Hanks is in his house with all his journalist friends and they're like going through piles and piles of paper. Yeah. So WikiLeaks is all that paper except in digital form. Oh, so now Tom Hanks doesn't have to lose like two of his rooms. Exactly. Tom Hanks just has a laptop. Tom Hanks just has a laptop. And the reason that WikiLeaks had to be set up is that that's how information is gone now. And so it's it's not, you don't necessarily have to go off and find a big pile of paper and leak it out. Although sometimes that still does happen. Mm-hmm. It's you, this WikiLeaks is supposed to be like a verification place for whistleblowers and people who have this information to give it to. WikiLeaks claims then that it, it kind of verifies it. And then sometimes it just releases it itself as a dump or else it goes and approaches big journalistic organizations to try and do um, like team ups with them. Right. So So, like other established news outlets. Yeah. So it's not to say that this kind of leakage is new and WikiLeaks invented it. It's more that they kind of adapted it for the digital era. Right. Okay. And another part of this is that a big part of the discussion about WikiLeaks is that there's a tension between the idea of whistleblowing and journalism, which is what I guess the freedom fighters and people who are actually doing the leaking would like to consider themselves. Whereas they would like the to consider, consider themselves journalists. The people who are disseminating the information, releasing it are journalists, and then the people who are taking the information from from the government and releasing it will consider themselves whistleblowers right. or activists, whereas the governments consider them spies. Right, okay. Because they okay. believe they are state secrets that need to be kept secret to protect their nation, mm-hmm. and they would like to be able to prosecute these people as if they were spies, which is basically a criminal, right? an, in, an international criminal. But because we live in democracies... Um, there is quite a good part of like the system that we have. We've always recognized that journalism has to get special recognition. Journalists are allowed to have sources and hide them. Mm-hmm. So your man, Daniel Ellsberg, for example, he was charged with espionage for, t- for t- stealing and releasing that report. But in 73, a judge said, no, nope, this is an example of journalism and it's, he's perfectly protected and within his right to do it. So I'm going to throw away the case. Yeah. And other like, things like good journalism is, is an important part of a democracy. Precisely. Part of those was, checks and balances. Yeah. The judge decided that he was, in fact, allowing the government to be held to account for abuses of power, which is right. a very important thing to do. And that's where, like, even now, whistleblowing as a concept has kind of been enshrined in law. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, if you work for a financial institution in Ireland, whistleblowing, uh, you get you have to do a course that teaches you how to be a whistleblower really? on the organization that you're doing. Yeah, because it, it it's such part and parcel of, of exposing abuses of power that the government has recognized that for the good of, of democracy and the countries, you have to allow it and facilitate it. So there are protections there for it to happen. But mm-hmm. you see, this is the fine line. But then if the said the same government is like, well, actually, we're the ones hiding these powers and uh, hiding this information. Well, we don't really want to encourage more people yeah. to do we're that. We're okay with you leaking these things, but yeah. you better not leak these things. Yes. So that's the kind of tension that's going on now. And it's, it's good to keep that in mind as we're talking about um, WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. So before I start giving out about them. I'll allow them to talk about themselves in a positive way a little bit. Mm-hmm. So WikiLeaks member Sarah Harrison explained in 2016 in a column for the New York Times, which was a really good kind of explanation from the activist perspective as to what they're doing. So she says there's a desperate need for their work. The world is connected by largely unaccountable networks of power that span industries and countries, political powers, corporations and institutions. WikiLeaks shines a light on these by revealing not just individual incidents, but information about the entire structures of power. Mm-hmm. So her point there is that it's not just a, a t- like a tell-all memoir from some 
former politician that you might like get a little bit of information. WikiLeaks is that because we get an entire database of an organization and throw it out there, you're allowing the curtain to fall onto the big, greasy, disgusting machine that we use to operate our countries and corporations today. Yeah. So that's why she's like, WikiLeaks is the thing that allows that to happen. Yeah. So it sounds have, pretty noble when you say it like that. Pretty noble. I am, I'm going to get to the reason why a lot of people do consider it not noble. And uh, let's say it's a Julian A. No, that's too specific. Sorry, it's um, <laughs> uh, uh, J. Assange. Yes, that'll be the reason why they, uh, they got bad rap. <laughs> so before I go into that, I'll, I'll quickly mention um, there was a corporation... And I, it's actually fine. It's it's still hard to find information on this because the amount of injunctions that were taken out, out against reporting on it. But <laughs> Trafug, ah, fuck, how do you pronounce it? Trafugura, Trafugura is is either the place or the name of the corporation. I couldn't figure it out. But basically, <laughs> ma- caused a massive ecological disaster that had massive harm against people because of chemical dumps. And WikiLeaks back in their early days were able to get evidence about that and post it out. Cool. They in 20, 2007, when they were starting up as well, they also discovered that um, prisoners being held at Guantanamo Bay were denied access to the Red Cross, which is essentially like a controversy of the Geneva Convention. Right. That's all, like a war crime. Well, pretty much a war crime, which is essentially what Guantanamo Bay is. <laughs> yeah. So the problem with WikiLeaks, though, is that this Julian Assange guy was there from the very start. He claims himself to be the founder, but there are a few people that kind of drifted off that were like, well, I mean, it was a team but whatever. So, right. So, so where was it founded? Like where did it Specifically, start? it was founded in Iceland in 2006. Okay. So Iceland has got a big hacker culture. Yeah. There's lots of like collectives of these anarch- anarchist hackers, all like a whole bunch of those guys, like Mr. Robot, basically. Hacktivists. Hacktivists. So Julian Assange was one of those and he, him and his bunch of his buddies decided to launch WikiLeaks. So in 2006, that's when WikiLeaks.orgs was like registered as, as a website. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of famous for a bit, like launching out these little bits and pieces here and there, getting some information. They were helping journalists by giving them sources and stuff. And to a certain extent, Assange was kind of selling himself as a hack, like a techno journalist, like a hacker slash journalist. Mm-hmm. But as he was doing that, he was also having great fun being the man of the moment, going around the world, giving talks and stuff. Like, I mean, I'm sure he was absolutely delighted that they chose Benedict Cumberbatch to play him in a movie. Yeah. Um, so he, he became more and more... WikiLeaks and him basically just become one blended unit. It he became like the, the face and the brand of WikiLeaks. Yes, but not even just like, you know, Ronald McDonald's is the face and brand of McDonald's, but you don't necessarily always think of Ronald McDonald when you think of McDonald's. Yeah. Whenever you think of WikiLeaks, though, you do think of Julian Assange because the yeah. two are just incontrivably linked now. So the biggest set of leaks that I guess you could attribute them to is the release of the diplomatic cables in 2010, I believe it was. So... This um, U.S. private called Manning was working in, I think it was Afghanistan, maybe Iraq, um, basically as an, as an intelligence officer, but still quite low, low ranked. For the U.S. military. For the U.S. military. And the, U, the way the U.S. military had itself set up is that even though he was really, low, or really lowly ranked and um, like not that important, he still had access to what's called Cip- Cipranet, which is the U.S. database of secrets. <laughs> and... <laughs> This, this this Manning person was so disillusioned and unhappy with their position in the U.S. Army. They had personal reasons. We're going to go into that later. Um, essentially, um, Manning was born um, a male, but um, realized that she was actually a, a woman and mm-hmm. she wanted to go through gender uh, realignment. But obviously, that's not very easy in such a culture as the U.S. Army, which of course. at the time probably still had that don't ask, don't, don't tell. tell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all that kind of crap. So... And as well as that, he also just wasn't happy with all the shit that he was seeing going on in the in the occupations of Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So 
he was in conversation with Julian Assange and the people. Should in, we say in she? We, she, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, we should always say she. Is, yeah. is, that, is that the correct way? <laughs> now she's she, so. Now she's a she, yes. Yeah. So she decided to contact um, WikiLeaks and there was some back and forwards, but essentially she was able to get all the information herself, this huge cache of documents and information. I just gave them to WikiLeaks. Through There's, this through this internal database of secrets. Mm-hmm. Wow. She was able to get them off a, US, a USB stick, essentially, put them onto a private laptop and then upload them. Wow. Um, yeah, so everyone at the time was like, holy shit, WikiLeaks is just after getting all the shit. And mm-hmm. WikiLeaks decided, okay, we're part of our ideology is that we're just going to dump it all out there. We're not going to filter it. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to dump it. So they're not, so, go- they're not like taking any sort of editorial control Precisely. Okay. Yes. And this is part of why maybe some people that are journalists don't necessarily consider it good journalism in that sense. Right. Because you have to have the idea of a, a lot of journalists would see the fourth estate as like a gatekeeper thing. Right. Okay. You have to be able to filter it down. Because while there were some things like a video footage of a 2007 um, army Apache gunship attacking about a dozen people in, in Baghdad, um, they they were like, oh, we've seen a firefight. Let's intervene. And like the things that they were saying on the on the video footage was incredible. It's like, oh, get some, and oh, look at that person. He's nearly dead. Shoot him again. Jesus. And it turned out that they were a bunch of civilians, including two of them who were working for Reuters at the time. Oh my god! So they were journalists as well. There was two journalists included in the people that were shot, that were killed by this gunship, and it was entirely covered up and kept secret until the vi- until as part of this trash of information, this cache of information, um, they were able to find it out. There were also diplomatic cables from the US so like the conversations that the State Department was having with itself and other organizations in the US government mm-hmm. and that was really embarrassing for the US because you had things like Angela Merkel's a prick and we're spying on her to um, like, oh realignment on our policy towards China or oh making right. fun of particular individuals at functions oh and stuff like that all this was released and then there was also that's really like that wall at the bike shed we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yes it is yes it is and then there was also lots of information that was potentially dangerous for individuals so information about um afghani interpreters that were working for the u.s army um or even potential spies across the world that once all this information got done these people were now in danger and i'm not sure there hasn't necessarily been any direct evidence about someone that lost their life or got hurt because of it Mm. but it was certainly a great risk absolutely so the u.s all of a sudden was like holy shit we have to take this wikileaks thing out we are not happy with how it's going and we're definitely not happy with this julian assange fella so then what happened? So Julian Assange quickly realized that because he had made himself the face of WikiLeaks and he was in fact directly um, conversing with Chelsea Manning about this stuff, that he realized he was going to get targeted by the US. And not only that, but he kind of freaked out by the idea that he was going to be um, renditioned, which is where they put a black bag, bag over your head, put you yeah. into a black plane and like potentially torture you. So what year, sorry, what year did this happen? This is this is around 2010 up to 2012, all this right. kind of stuff was happening. Okay. While that was happening, though, Julian Assange was also being investigated on crimes of sexual misconduct in Sweden. Right. There were two different um, cases against him, two different women alleging that he was um, a great big perv, basically. Mm-hmm. And... It, the, the Swedish authorities were taking it seriously enough that they were having a proper investigation. And so I they believe, were trying to extradite him as well? They wanted the UK to arrest him on, so they could take him back to Sweden for questioning because he was refusing to go willingly because okay. he said if he puts himself into the custody, into Swedish custody, they will just allow him to get extradited to the US. Right, okay. 
So it got to the point that he decided the best way to avoid this was to try and get asylum somewhere because he was just sure that the the, the UK police were going to arrest him. And then he wasn't, he didn't even think he was going to get sent to Sweden. He said he was going to get sent to America okay, um, to, to, to face charges against the whole espionage thing. And so he's just looking for any sort of asylum that's not in a one of these yeah. countries. So anyone, not any particular. Well, he had to go with someone that was slightly favorable towards his worldview. And it turned out that at the time, the president of Ecuador, which is a country in South America, um, was actually quite anti-US and was like, okay, yeah, you can come and chill out in our uh, embassy. And the idea was to eventually get him asylum in Ecuador itself. Right. But what happened was, is that he turned up at the Ecuadorian embassy dressed as a motorcycle courier. And immediately after like that- Like a the, Pretty much. <laughs> uh, immediately after that, the UK were like, well, if he ever if he ever leaves that embassy, we're going to arrest him because he's, he's after jumping bail now as well. <laughs> right. So once, because once you're on in, in an embassy that like that's there, that country's soil, like that's not- Precisely. So the UK- not, like, subservient to the laws of the UK or whatever. Yes. So they couldn't actually enter the asylum, but they were constantly checking all um, cars that were coming in and out of it. They were checking bins. They were checking big suitcases in case- <laughs> Imagine him getting a wheelie bin. <laughs> pretty much. That's what they were like. That was all possibility. So he's basically living in this asylum. And that was from 2012 up until last week. That's, That's an awful crazy. lot of time. It, 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 <laughs> I'm just imagining him like at the front door. Because if he's, you know, in the boundaries of the, the embassy, like they obviously can't touch him. So he's just going, nah, 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 from the front door. They probably had like and a big- hook that they would just grab him with and pull him out and gotcha just dangling nicked mate dangling his foot over the threshold going oh will i do it will i do it and just flicks off his shoe onto the ground and goes ha arrest my shoe fuckers yeah so while this was all going on there was actually a documentary being made about wikileaks um so this lady called laura Poitras, it's a difficult surname to spell. Mm-hmm. She had previously made a documentary about Edward Snowden and it was called Citizen Four. We're going to get to Snowden later because there's good comparisons between the two of them. Is she, so, her name sounds familiar. Was she one of the journalists at The Guardian? Uh, no, she was the third source that Snowden decided to contact and she was ah, making okay. a documentary. So you had The Guardian, The Washington Post and this um, Laura Poitras lady who was making a video documentary at the time. Yeah, so, her name sounds super familiar. Go on anyway. Well, I, let's quickly address the Snowden thing. So... Edward Snowden was another um, government employee. He was working for the NSA at the time, which is essentially um, the US's largest spying organization. And he was also disillusioned with the direction that US foreign policy was going, um, just like Chelsea Manning. And he decided to steal a big pile of information as well. Mm -hmm. But he did it in a different way. He didn't think it was a good idea to just throw all this information out undisseminated. He decided to just covertly contact these three journalists, as we mentioned, Washington Post, The Guardian, and uh, Laura Poitras. And he traveled to Hong Kong with the information on hard drives. He let the journalists look over it for two days. And as this was going on, the US government realized what had happened. So they were like trying to crack down on him and catch him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, he eventually did manage to flee to Russia. So, and then the UK... The journalists managed to sneak the information back into their headquarters and uh, they used it to release different um, evidence of U.S. abuse of power, such as like all the phone hacking and spying information that we all know. We know so much about it and I entirely take it for granted. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, (gasps) that's awful. Anyway, (laughs) exactly. That's what happened. But the fact is, is that Snowden took a totally different thing. He didn't do what Assange did and just dumped it all out there. He's like, I have and I, I want to do things to try and expose government 
um, abuse, but I'm not going to do it in a shitty way. <laughs> yeah. So that thing we were talking about earlier about the gatekeeping. Precisely. Like, yeah. let's do some responsible, like, let's have some journalistic integrity about how we frame this. Yeah. And portray it. Okay. So he was being made in this documentary and Assange heard about that and decided to invite Lara Poitras to make a documentary about him because as that was going on, he was doing his whole thing, releasing the information about Chelsea, what the Chelsea Manning provided him. So mm-hmm. he was being filmed by her all through this thing about when when he was about to get arrested, he was hiding in a house, he was doing all this stuff. You even get to see him dressing up as the motorcycle courier, laughing and stuff like that. Wow. But then he ended up being recorded as he was talking to his uh, potential barrister and he was dismissing the claims of sexual assault against him as a radical feminist conspiracy, <sighs> dis- dismissing the complainants as lesbians. Oh my god! So uh, the so the this bar- is like part, like he was wearing a, a lavalier mic during the documentary, whatever, no. and they just picked it up. No, he was being filmed. It's like the camera was sitting there beside. Oh him. Oh my god! It wasn't even like in the Jinx where the guy goes to the bathroom and forgets he has a mic on. This yes. is like he's got a camera on him. Yes, and as he, as he's doing, and the, the lawyer's like looking at the camera with wide eyes, and he's like, and she's like, it's not helpful to talk about this like this, and he's like, well, no, not publicly, even though it's being filmed, and oh you can just see her like dying of despair. God. And then he's like, he's also like, oh, it's also not uh, in the best interest of these women to press their charges because an actual court case is going to be very hard for them and they're going to be reviled by a large segment of the population. So he's, he's basically saying that he's so important and cool that the world is going to hate these women because they're deciding to try and prosecute him for fucking sexual crimes. Oh my God. And this, this reminds me of um, a similar thing. Uh, do you remember, I think it was a year or two ago, there was a Google employee who sent around this memo Mm. The sexist memo about how like women software engineers, like we shouldn't be focusing on hiring like uh, a equal, like gender balance for software engineers because women just aren't naturally as good at coding. Blah, 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 blah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, so that guy, I think his name is James Demore. Um, he, <laughs> he was, he was fired, let go. And Julian Assange like immediately offered him like a job. Yes. Like in, in sympathy. Yeah, because that's that's kind of he he loves conspiracy theories. He loves to to basically piss people off. It seems to be. Yeah. Um. So, but then here's the here's the ironic thing now. So he fell out with the with the filmmaker because he asked to see it before it was uh, released. So she showed him a rough edit before she gave it to Cannes, and he was like, "This is insane. You can't let this go out." So. <sighs> You can't leak this. <laughs> Precisely. Julian Assange <laughs> tried to censor a movie about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. That, oh is, what, that is what of a dickhead he is. The <sighs> fucking level, levels of irony in that. So anyway, he's he remained in the embassy for an awful long time. He was taking visitors like Pamela Anderson, Lady Gaga. They were all coming in and they like you could just tell he was loving the attention and loving it. He would come out and give speeches. He would do video links to different conversations. And all was, the while he was in this Ecuadorian embassy. All the while stuck in this Ecuadorian embassy, not having a very good time and getting pretty unhealthy. Yeah. So let's quickly just go back and talk about Chelsea Manning. Um, yes. Um, they tracked down who she was very quickly um, because she essentially wasn't able to... She Part of the conversation between her and Julian Assange is that she was trying to figure out how to log in as a different user so she could hide um, who she was as she was trying to as she was trying to get the information downloaded, but she wasn't able to do that. So pretty much immediately the US were able to figure out who it was that downloaded all this information. So she was arrested, she was court-martialed, and she was found guilty and imprisoned for crimes of espionage, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's huge. So as that was going on, um, she was trying to go through her gender realignment um, Mm -hmm. process. And obviously all this was entirely publicized and talked about and all that. So not only did you have a, a pretty troubled individual having to go through 
being tried for being a spy <laughs> by the most powerful military in the world, you also had to go through the personal torment of having your having your personal health problems essentially being discussed and, and disseminated across the world. So a lot of sympathy was put out there. And a lot of people were like, maybe Julian Assange didn't think about this enough. But I actually think that that's a harsher criticism on Julian Assange than it should be because he didn't necessarily know all the problems that Chelsea Manning had. And also it was such a huge cache of information that he there is no chance in hell he would have said no to it. Because that right, is liter- that's literally what he's all about. Yeah, so, that goes against the MO of WikiLeaks. Yeah. So just before Barack Obama left office, he decided to actually pardon Chelsea Manning. Right. Um, so she was released from military prison, but she actually ended up getting re-imprisoned just, was it this year or last year? It says March here. March, so this year, um, because she was refusing to testify against, um, against Julian Assange. So... Let's quickly talk about something that's pretty ironic as well. Um, mm-hmm. a lo- another big reason that a lot of people hate Julian Assange is that in the 2016 presidential election, WikiLeaks released a huge cache of emails that were stolen from the chairperson of Hillary Clinton's campaign organization and the Democratic National Committee itself. So like the headquarters of the Democratic Party. Yes. And it made them look awful. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was the critical blow. Well... Ish. <laughs> let's I not, mean, it was. Let's not have a 2016 discussion. <laughs> <laughs> these are not the what about her emails that were that they talk about. You know that. Yeah, but what about her emails? But these these are not those emails. These oh, are right. not her emails. These are other people's emails. That's a different set of emails. Ah, oh, so many emails. <laughs> the ones that you're talking about. When people say what about her emails, they're talking about the fact that her server wasn't secure when right. she was the Secretary of State. These emails are all from the the election itself in 2016, and none of them would have actually been from her because she would have been too busy being uh, like an actual candidate. Ah. So these were all like discussions between people in the Democratic organization. And it turned out that they were heavily putting their fingers on the scales to try and bias the the primary system towards Clinton against Bernie Sanders. Uh, sorry, so say it again. So it turned out that the Democratic National Committee was putting their fingers on the scales in the primary system. Oh, yes. okay. To try and make Bernie Sanders lose. Yeah, not that he would have won necessarily before that, but it just—it's not good to have what's meant to be a neutral organization in terms of choosing who the presidential candidate is be to come out entirely behind Hillary Clinton. And it was yeah, you're it, supposed to let them like democracy take place. And, precisely, yeah, especially if you're called the Democratic National Committee. But anyway, <laughs> you would hope, wouldn't you? So it made these all came out and leaked towards the press, and like it made them look bad, it made them look stupid. But it turned out that all this information was actually captured by a Russian spy organization. And was given to WikiLeaks that way. So Julian Assange by the Russians. By the Russians, Julian Assange denies that that's how they got the information. But Mr. Yogurpot Mueller, the uh, special counsel, Mm -hmm. he actually came out and said, "No, one hundred percent. That's where WikiLeaks got these emails." So I would believe the former head of the FBI over Julian Assange when it came to that. Yeah, me too. I'd be inclined to to go that way as well. So, so this so. Julian Assange or WikiLeaks, like, do they have political motivations or leanings that are are public? Like, is Julian Assange like a GOP lover or no? Okay. Um, they would be technically left if you want to use that scale, but at the same time, they're anti-state, so they wouldn't be too happy with the idea of a democratic party because they would see that just as another tool of the of the establishment, and it's not really much good. And he had a particular right, grudge. The libertarians. Kind, yeah, like left left libertarians, like anarchists, That's, like right. but maybe not as, as, as extreme as that. They 
well, Julia Assange had a particular grudge against Hillary Clinton because she would have been the Secretary of State when he was releasing all this Chelsea Manning stuff. And then right. he would have blamed her for trying to get him arrested and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's an, it's, yeah, it's true because she was doing her job just as he was doing his. Mm-hmm. But he also uh, probably had a lot of incentive just to destabilize America because he had such a grudge against America too. So this would have been the way. And obviously the person who who most benefited from these rele- emails being released was not Bernie Sanders. It was Donald Trump. Trump yeah. And during the election, Donald Trump was calling on WikiLeaks to release emails and hack people's accounts and having a great old time at his rallies. <laughs> Does he understand what WikiLeaks is? Uh, he had an idea, probably, yeah. because uh, Roger Stone, who we know was one of Donald Trump's um, close advisors during that campaign, he probably had a lot of close ties directly with Julian Assange. Right. So he would have been feeding him that kind of information. Whereas, like, obviously Donald Trump wasn't going on a video Skype chat with Julian Assange, but... There were um, connections there. There were connections, very close connections. And that is why R- R- uh, Roger Stone is actually being prosecuted himself at the moment on mm-hmm. charges of espionage for his involvement with this um, WikiLeaks uh, hack and, well, Russian hack WikiLeaks release. Mm-hmm. So... That was all going on in 2016, and then Donald Trump came to power. And I, I, I would say Julian Assange had like desperate man hopes that maybe this president that he helped get elected would maybe say, Pardon? "It's okay, you can leave the embassy, <laughs> you, you can leave that little room you've had to live in for so long." Yeah. But unfortunately for him, the Trump uh, administration very quickly took a much harsher view. Is that an attempt to distance themselves from the? The, the Russia stuff during the 2016 election, like it, by, by putting some ground between him and people like Assange and WikiLeaks? To a certain extent, probably. Okay. Because obviously it's it's going to take a very, it's going to take a while for those kind of, those answers, but what's going on behind the scenes of the Trump, Trump administration to come out. But mm-hmm. there is also the thing that a lot of the people that he put into office and all the different organizations that would, that would be the ones that would make like the, the, the Department of State and the, like the Homeland Security, these people whose jobs it is, is to fight an organization like WikiLeaks, they would be tough guys anyway. So they wouldn't like the idea of WikiLeaks just as a whole. So and like Republicans are generally more hawkish than Democrats. So, they actually classified WikiLeaks as a non-state espionage group. Right. So they officially are not recognizing its status as a journalist or organization, which puts them in um, difference with the UK, which last year actually officially recognized WikiLeaks as a journalistic organization. Okay. So you have two different stances from two very similar uh, states because, I mean, yes, the UK and the US are very similar in terms of how they go about their foreign policy, but yet yeah. they both take different stances on what classification WikiLeaks should have. So it, by, by America defining them as a as an espionage group, is that like th- these guys are operating illegally? Yes, they're essentially okay. spies and must be treated with as much um, hostility as they would the, the, the KGB or whatever the KGB is called now. Right, okay. SNB, I think. Yeah. God, those are two very different stances for these two countries to take. Aren't they just? Like, so anyway, Julian Assange has been living in this this embassy and apparently he was not very nice to live with because as he was living there, the Ecuadorian embassy was still continuing as the Ecuadorian embassy. People were right, still they go- just had this fucking lodger there. Yeah, people were still going in there having to work, doing all the different things that you have to do when you work in an embassy in a massive metropolitan city. Mm-hmm. So... Apparently he was really, really shitty to, to live with. He, um, not live with, but work with as he was living there. He was smelly. Mm-hmm. Apparently he had like a, <laughs> he had dirty protest at one point. Oh my God, what? Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't realize what a dirty protest, Richie, tell them. No, just ugh, look it up. That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, he was just a shit, like threatening the staff. 
accusing them of being in a, on a massive conspiracy against him. And oh, oh my God. Over the last year, things and things got worse and worse. So... Did they kick him out? <laughs> is that what happened? Yes. Fucking hell. That is precisely what happened. So Ecuador also changed government in the meantime. And that lefty president is gone. There's a more centrist, not, not necessarily anti-US government in charge. Yeah. So they've kind of been looking for an excuse to get rid of him, but they don't want to leave themselves open to be accused of just like throwing him to into Guantanamo Bay. So yeah. they took a relatively measured approach and they informed the London Met on Thursday that they would not stop the cops if they came in to try and arrest him. Oh, came into the, into into the, the embassy. embassy. Yeah. Ah. And as that happened, a minister in the parliament of Ecuador stood up and gave nine reasons why he was um, being kicked out, including the bits I talked and also skateboarding. <laughs> Skateboarding in the office, apparently. That's He's just gr- like doing grinds down the banisters. <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure. This guy seems like the fucking worst. <laughs> He's pretty shitty. So yeah, literally. And so what happens? What happens to him now? Like what? What's well? I guess we don't know for sure. But we don't know for sure. But here are the options. Um, he has been arrested by the UK police, the London Metropolitan Police, on the basis of him breaking bail back in 2012. Mm-hmm which is a crime, so he's being arrested on that basis. Um, he's probably being treated medically because apparently he's in really bad health after living in a room for so long. Essentially, like... He's probably got scurvy. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he was pale in the first instance anyway, but mm. when he was dragged out of the office, out of the embassy, he was carried by four policemen. He was shouting loads of things and he had like pulled back hair and a big horrible beard and he just looked really ragged. And a lot of yeah. people were like, whoa, this guy does not look good. So um, he is probably getting like a good drip of vitamins and stuff into him. Um, The options are Sweden have been informed, but they've been informed that you can decide if you want to reopen that 2017 case. Right. So they're deciding that. And then equally, the US immediately brought charges against him, not for espionage, which is what everyone suspected it might be, but for essentially a particular law about how to hack, about hacking a, co- a government computer. Okay, so they're getting more specific. They're getting very specific. Well, I mean, espionage is pretty specific in itself. And yeah. they're, they, like, I mean, they wouldn't be too far pressed to try and bring a case against them on espionage. Um, but what they want, they're, they're pointing out a specific exchange between um, Asaj and Manning that involved him trying to help Manning crack that password I was talking about, hiding his identity. Mm -hmm. So a lot of journalists now are very uncomfortable with that because if that's the basis that they're using to try and extradite Assange to the US, then they're basically accusing a journalist of breaking a crime by trying to protect the identity of their source. Right. Which is a big thing. That's quite problematic. It's really, it's a really politicized case. The, the New York Times and the Washington Post, who both benefited massively from all the WikiLeaks things that have come over the years, mm-hmm. are p- really pissed off at what they did in 2016 because these are two left-leaning organizations that would have much preferred to see Clinton over Trump. So on the day after he was arrested, they took editorial stances in favor of seeing him prosecuted in the U.S., Right. Um, the Guardian and the Observer are going the other way. And unfortunately, the one thing that is not being discussed that much is whether or not he should go to Sweden and stand, um, stand for his, 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 his sex crimes, basically. Right. So the, the espionage stuff is kind of overshadowing yes, all the sex crimes. The WikiLeaks stuff is overshadowing the fact that he was charged. He was, yeah, 
charged with these two crimes. So I, for one, don't think he should be extradited to the US mm-hmm. because the US were doing bad things. And even though he did it in a bad way, it was still a good thing that he did in that sense. Okay. When he released all the information without yeah. properly going through it. I mean, I personally have a lot more respect for what Snowden did yeah. than what, what, what Assange did in the, in the method that they took. But look, that's just, that's, Assange would say everything has to be out there in the public. It's like right, yeah. going back to the quote that I had back at the start from um, Sarah Harrison, who works for WikiLeaks as well, her saying that it's not just about letting little bits of information about these bad things happen. The fact that we're showing everybody everything about the machine is helpful in itself. So fine. But also maybe you should check to make sure you're not going to reveal the identities of people that could get killed. Yeah. So yeah. I think what should happen is that the UK should deport him to Sweden so he can stand. Yeah. You could, he should go through the, the criminal process to find out if he's guilty or not of those sex crimes. Yeah. But what's probably going to happen, and this, is, this, is a, this may have already happened by the time this episode is released, is that he will have been deported to the US. And it'll be a big but, show trial and he'll make speeches and people will like fight each other in the editorials and there'll be all this shit going on. Yeah. But all the while, he's not actually going to get done for the things that he should. <laughs> right. And the, like, how do those things kind of resolve themselves? Those big, like, so when when both countries are have potential claim, it's up to the over. it's up to a UK judge. Ah, uh, okay. So both countries are going to lodge extradition requests. Obviously, you can't extradite the same person to two countries at once. <laughs> yeah, it's that's some wisdom of Solomon shit. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be like, ah, <laughs> uh, well, Sweden says let him stay in one piece, so we must send him there. <laughs> Or the or the or the judge is like, oh yeah, go, let's go through. They chop him in half, and then his legs. Obviously, his bottom half should be done in Sweden. In Sweden, because yes, that was agreed. that's where the crime was done. His bottom that's half, the problematic part. And then because his mouth and his his hands on the computer keyboard is what did the crimes in America. That's where his top half should go. Ah, uh, more wisdom of Solomon. I want to see in our politics. <laughs> so yeah, that. Um, WikiLeaks. That I'm WikiLeaks. Uh, it's 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 all going to be useless because it's all going to be made redundant in <laughs> when the time this comes out. Well, not necessarily. My prediction about well, what's happening probably will. Yeah, I suppose. But but all the all the all the history and context stuff. That's it's fascinating. It's so it's uh, we mentioned it in the middle there. It just it just reads like a movie script. It's also dramatic. Yeah, and I guess that all comes down to the character that that Julian Assange is, and like all the stuff that he drove that he that he that he made himself out to be. But yeah. at the same time. It's way more important than just personalities. We're talking about abuses of power by the largest imperialistic state in the world. Yeah. And it's, it's conquest and destruction yeah. in two different countries. And you have people like Chelsea Manning getting caught up in the middle of it. And the poor Ecuadorian people working in the embassy that had to deal yeah. with all that shit. They're the real victims. <laughs> uh, so, and then the cleaners of that, that man's room. They're the real victims. And the two ladies in Sweden who um, brought these allegations against them. So all these people are being wrapped up in something that is a huge, big Hollywood script. But unfortunately, if yeah. they were to be in the movie, they would probably just be bit parts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about accountability, I guess, across the board. Yeah. It's so crazy. I would recommend people go off and watch the documentaries made by, the, by what was her name? Uh, Lara Poitras. Yeah. So watch Risk, which is about Julian Assange, makes him out to be the total dickhead, which is why I don't like him. I used to think he was cool before I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, oh my God, this guy is a yeah. total and utter dumpty. Yeah. And then also watch um, Citizen Four, which is about Edward Snowden, if you want to see how somebody can do it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would al- there's, also a, there's also a really good um, uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver that came out um, about Edward Snowden, where he actually went to Russia and 
and got to have a one-on-one interview with Edward Snowden. That's fucking wonderful. Oh, I remember that. And it turns out Snowden actually has a bit of humor about him. Yeah, he's actually quite dry. It's really good. Yeah, he does. Just, got some dry humor. That's actually, um, I was reading an interview with the documentary maker about like her, her interaction with these two similar characters. And she's like, mm. yeah, I mean, Assange is a total prick. And so that's pretty obvious. That comes out in the film where Snowden, like he's boring and he's, he lectures you. But at the end of the day, you can tell his intentions are good. <laughs> Yeah, like also when you follow the story of Snowden, it, it's like it's it's way more like again if we're to use that the metaphor of a movie script, like it's a singular protagonist and he's you know he's got struggles and he's very ethical and he goes to overcome great adversity to try and pursue truth. You know, it's a way more kind of pure protagonist-driven story. Who do you think should be more complimented, Julian Assange for having Benedict Cumberbatch play him, or Edward Snowden for having Joseph Gover Levitt play him? Say that name. Say Joseph Gordon-Levitt again. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a more handsome man. You're just in love with him for his other activities. Like what? Like that website with the filmmaking and stuff. Oh yeah, I love Hit Record. Yeah, Hit Record's great. Yeah. He's also just a suave dude. He can dance really well. But Ben Cumberbatch is, is, is Doctor Strange and that's pretty cool too, I guess. Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> the Avengers is coming out next week. Yeah. Oh, I got, have you got your tickets? No, no, no. I've got my tickets. I cannot fucking wait. So that's why we have to record this episode early, people, because Richie's going to be too much of a squeaming excitement after today. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to be useless before and it's gonna it. It's going to be really funny because potentially by the time this, this episode is released, it could have been a massive flop. <laughs> oh, God. No, no. It's going to no. be great. No. I love it. No. Uh, Thanos did nothing wrong. Um... <laughs> You should, you should follow that, that subreddit. It's really fucking good. It's just like a whole subreddit about why Thanos is in the right and how he did nothing wrong. Um, what about his emails? <laughs> that one of the that's one of the stones he was trying to collect. It's like an email stone. Uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, so what on politics on Instagram, on Twitter, and at Gmail if you want to hit us up. Kofi, Kofi, whatonpolitics.com forward slash beer will take you there. Otherwise, there's a link in the show notes. If you want to buy us a beer, we will send you the uh, the drunken episode that we mentioned from the cold open. Um, a four mentioned episode that was a lot more fun than Richie's mood apparently warranted. <laughs> I really don't know what I was thinking. I'm just really curious as to why it went into Evernote and you never used it again. Maybe you, yeah, that's maybe crazy. you were so offended by yourself that you deleted Evernote on your phone so you'd never have to look at them again. Because I have it, like I use Google Keep for like notes that I take on my phone, like as thoughts occur to me. But for some reason I didn't use Google Keep. I used a separate app to compartmentalize it that I forgot about for two years. Because it was too poisonous. Because it was too poisonous. Oh man. Maybe I need to go back to my therapist. I clearly have some hidden stuff there. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go do that then. Talk to you later, Steve. <laughs> See you later, Richie. Oh, just Bye. before you go, let me let me know one of those amazing compliments you gave me back at the start. Uh, oh, I, cl- I actually closed the window because I couldn't bear to look at them anymore. Something about, oh yeah, your face is ugly. <laughs> something about, also, oh wait, there's a fifth point here. Let me pull it up. Yeah, this one just says, fuck Steve. Oh. <laughs> I gotta you go could st- read that as... Fuck Steve. Oh, yeah, I don't know which is... Read into that what you will. Um, yes, people. <laughs> Listeners. Goodbye. Goodbye.